Good morning and uh, welcome to the Sunday School lesson for today. This is the spring quarter 2021, Unit 2, Prophets of Restoration, Lesson number 6, April 11, 2021. Devotional reading comes from Ezekiel, the 18th chapter, 25th through 32nd verse. Background scripture comes from Ezra, the 9th and the 10th. Uh, the print passage comes from Ezra the tenth chapter, verses one through twelve. Our key verse for today. Ezra said, "O oh my God, I am ashamed, and blush to lift up my face to Thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses is grown up unto the heavens." Ezra the ninth chapter, the sixth verse, the King James version. Our large subject for today, Confession and Corrections. Confessions and Corrections. On behalf of all of us here at Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, 45 Church Street, Peter Montana Springs, Alabama, 36471. Our telephone number, 251-564-2171. The church where everybody is somebody in Christ is the head. Reverend Wayland Oliver is our pastor. Sister Joyce Oliver is our first lady, and Miss Lisa Starwis is our clerk. Sunday school normally is held every Sunday at 9.30, but since COVID and all this area, Sunday school is broadcast on Facebook as well as posted on the church website. Our worship services usually is on 2nd, 4th, and 5th Sundays at 11 a.m., but are broadcast at 8.30 a.m. on 2nd, 4th, and 5th Sunday by our musician, Mr. Corey Robinson. On behalf of all of us here at Antioch, welcome to our Sunday School lesson for today. As a result of experiencing this lesson, the participants should be able to do these things. Contrast the people's need for repentance with their joyful response to God's word. Number two, believe in their heart that God's truth is eternal. Fourth, grow in their determination to serve God in their community and beyond. Key terms for today. Confession. To cast down, throwing down, confessed. Covenant. A treaty, agreement, a pledge. Foreign, Hebrew word. Alien, pagan, strange. All of these are Hebrew words. Confession, covenant, and foreign. All right. Why this lesson matters. Sometimes people lose their sense of directions and turn away from the values that once held as sacred. How can we recapture the values we once cherished? After this prayer or confession, Ezra called the former exiles to repentance and led them to worship by reading the book of law. The lesson in focus. Romans 10, 9 reads, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There are two types of confessions in the life of a Christian. The first one initiates a Christian spiritual life. The second enables Christians to maintain continuous fellowship with God for the duration of their spiritual journey. Confession of sins requires verified professions of professions of faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior. 
This open confession qualifies the believer to enjoy the blessings of salvation and to assume the responsibilities of faithful discipleship. Because of the ever-present sin nature, every believer is prone to be tempted and to sin against the Word of God. When we do sin, God allows us to restore our fellowship with Him through confessing and turning away from the particular sin that has ensnared us. This type of confession is a genuine acknowledgement of their having transgressed God's word. Those who come to God with a contrite heart are assured of his forgiveness. You can see this in 1 John, the first chapter in the ninth verse, also in Psalms 32 and 5. Empty apologies neither move God nor restore fellowships with him. True confessions, the kind that God honors, must also be followed by contractive by corrective behavior. No one takes a bath to clean the body and then put on dirty clothes. Likewise, confessing sin and continuing to engage in it is a meaningless activity with no spiritual benefit. Open confession is good for the soul, but it must be followed by turning away from the acts of sin and following the Holy Spirit to transform and direct the believer's walk with Christ. Now, the lesson in context. God knew the hearts of his closest chosen people, Israel, before. He selected them to be his ambassadors among the pagan nation inhabited Canaan. As part of their covenant with God, Israel was charged to honor him as the one true God and shun those who worship man-made lifeless idols as a safeguard against external influence swaying present and future generations of Israelite. God prohibited intermarriage with any of the foreign that would con- con- counter, that would encounter in Canaan. He prevented it. He, pro- he prohibited it. Prohibited. Biblical history confirms their failure to adhere to the directives and the gradual decline into apocrisy that climaxed with the exile of the entire nation into captivity. After the appointed years of exiles and the return of some to Judea, many Jews fell back into the pattern of intermarriage with foreign, unbelieving women. Older Jewish men would divorce their wives and marry younger foreign women. These prohibited unions produced children with mixed religious loyalties and placed severe hardships on the wives. Ezra addressed this issue and led the post-exile remnants to confess their guilt, take steps to correct it in order to restore their fellowship with God. Some of the opening inquiries. Why did Ezra oppose and address the practice of intermarriage with foreign women? According to Ezra 9, 1 and 2, who was guilty of the unfaithful practice of intermarriage? In what ways does this situation reveal the power of the world? What qualities of effective spiritual leadership do Ezra and other leaders demonstrate in the handling of this situation? Let's take a look at the insight. The insight. Accordingly, insights. Association brings assimilation. is a common phrase used by parents and teachers who warn young people of the risk and danger of hanging out with the wrong crowd. 
Amazingly and sometimes unconsciously, people find themselves mimicking the behavior and bad habits of those with whom they associate. This common human tendency indicates the importance of making wise and deliberate choices as it relates to friends, partners, associates, mentors, and others who have influenced our lives. God knew the far-reaching impact that intimate association would have on the spiritual life of Israel. Consequently, God set forth specific commandments designed to limit intimate social contacts and intermarriages with the inhabitants of Canaan. Instead of influencing the spiritual life of their Canaanite neighbors for good, Israel allowed their pagan neighbors to lead them to spiritual compromise and adultery. Idolatry. It is often said that forewarned is forearmed, meaning that prior knowledge of a threat gives one a tactical advantage. It is absolutely essential for parents, teachers, and other faith leaders to consistently teach the importance and necessary of obedience to God's personal sanctification and the avoidance of ungodly alliances with unbelievers in friendship, fellowship, dating, and marriage. Let's take a look at the exploration for today's lesson. The title of this lesson suggests the importance of an open confessing, admitting, and repentance, turning away from sin. Genuine confession must always include corrective behavior to overcome sin. Use this lesson to explain the nature of true repentance versus regrets by focusing on the initiative of the community leaders and the people to address the issues of intermarriage with foreigners. The text reveals good pattern for addressing sin, conviction, and confession, followed by consistent daily behavior that proves that the particular sin has been abandoned. Discuss the difference between regret and true repentance and the importance of seeing one's sin as a violation of God's law. Emphasize that true repentance will always have at its core a sense of brokenness and remorse for having grieved God as demonstrated in the text. Also focus on the importance of addressing any known sin within the faith community as soon as possible to eliminate its escalation into a more widespread challenge for the leadership and the body of believers. Let us begin with the commentary in Ezra, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 4. For those of you who have your Sunday school books or in your Bible, the commentary begins with Ezra, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 4. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very so. When they found out what they did wrong, they were weeping and throwing themselves down before God. A great assembly was doing this, as they saw Israel doing the same thing. And they wept very so. I mean, they wept hard. And Shishchana, the son of Jehiel, one of son of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed 
against our God, and have taken strange wives of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. They acknowledge their wrong. That's the beginning of change, the beginning of turning. When you go wrong, go back to the point where you went wrong. Start there. They acknowledge that they were wrong. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wise, make an agreement. And such are the born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandments of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Put away the wives, the children. Do the right thing about those that you have broke God's law with. Put them away in the right way. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Now let's make this covenant. Rise up, this matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. Ezra had a true passion for the knowledge, understanding, and application of God's word. His focus was to bring about spiritual reformation among the post-exile remnants that had returned to Judah and Jerusalem by teaching and explaining the law. Despite the Israelites' affection and attraction to foreign women, mixed marriage represented a serious violation of God's commandment, forbidding covenants with other Canaanite nations. The defined prohibition against intermarriage was so preserve the spiritual integrity of the nation and prevent the worship of foreign gods. You can see that in Exodus the 34th chapter 10 through the 17th verse. Also in Deuteronomy the 7th chapter verses 1 through 5. A quick reminder to all of our listeners, when you give you scripture such as Exodus 34, 10 and 7 regarding foreign gods, Deuteronomy the 7, 1 and 5 regarding foreign gods, read those scriptures to confirm your understanding of God's word. Do not take my word for it. Go to God's word. Ezra's initial response to his people's disobedience was an outward expression of the grief he felt because of this sin and the possibility of a repeat of God's judgment on the nation. He went to God in prayer, joined by the people of Judah and Jerusalem, confessing and prostrating himself before the temple and bitterly weeping, as in verse 1. Ezra's extreme show of contrite demonstrated the seriousness of his this sin and prompted the people to join by confessing their guilt and expressing their desire to repent. One of the leaders, Shechena, boldly spoke for the people and admitted their unfaithfulness to God by marrying foreign women and humbly acknowledged the hope of receiving forgiveness, as in verse 2. As God's people, they knew they, that because of God's faithfulness to his covenant promise, the hope of restored fellowship with him was still possible. The path to forgiveness and restoration is always open to those who genuinely repent of their sin. Shechina took the initiative to suggest a corrective solution. Staying with the, within letters of the law, he suggested that a covenant before God be made to divorce and send away those foreign wives and their children. 
God hates divorce among believers, thus it is not the norm of God's word. But the divorce of the foreign marriage was not the undoing of a pattern and disobedience that threatened the nation's spiritual life. Amen. God has never approved of being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. A sinful choice can only be made right by undoing it. There is rarely ever an easy, con conventional, convenient way to undo sin and obedience, especially one that has long-standing and habitual intermarriage was a former disobedience that posed a serious, far-reaching threat to the nation's spiritual life and affected the credibility of the leadership and their fellowship with God. The Apostle Paul later teached that a little leave affects the whole loaf. A little leaven affects the whole loaf. Talking about yeast and bread. You put some yeast in the bread and then yeast goes all the way through the dough and all of the bread rises. See 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Meaning that any sin left unchecked and unaddressed can spread and reap the consequences of God's judgment. Any sin. And I repeat, any sin will reap the consequences of God's judgment. The pattern of deliberate disobedience, disobedience to God's command, especially among spiritual leaders and officials, could not be allowed to continue. Thus, Shechana promised Ezra that the people would support him in the decision to correct the permissive attitude toward the sin of intermarriage. Instead of being critical or offended, God's people must commit themselves to standing with their leaders when they address the makes-difference decision concerning violations of the Word of God in the faith community. Shechina and the supportive remnants are a positive mode worthy of imitating. A couple of discussion starters. Do you agree or disagree that the church has become more turbulent or silent concerning the practice of sin among its members? Explain why today's church may be hesitant to openly correct or address sin. Another question for you. God reveals his will through his word. Give an example of issues that people to questioning or challenge God's will despite clear biblical teaching on the subject. Amen. Prompt people to question or challenge God's will despite clear biblical teaching on the subject, such as thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. These are clear indications of God's word on what your behavior should be. All right. This is uh, Ezra, the 10th chapter, verses 5 through 8. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word, and they swore. 
Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chambers of Jonathan, the son of Lishab. And when he came there, he did eat no bread nor drank water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Verse 7, And they made proclamations throughout Judea and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity, that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem. Proclamation in writing, on paper, in words, so that they can read it. And that whosoever should not come within three days according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substances should be forfeited and himself separated from the trans congregation for those that have been carried away. Uh, everyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property in accordance with the decision of the officials and elders and would himself be expelled from the assembly of exiles. Ezra challenged the people to seal their decision by making a public oath before the Lord. Their willingness to do so proved the sincerity of their confession and repentance. You can see that in verse 5. True repentance always involved following through with necessary corrective actions. Open confession relieves the stress caused by guilt and opens the way to making a fresh start. However, if nothing is done to turn away from any confessed sin, then forgiveness and restoration will be blocked. Ezra withdrew himself to fast and mourn. You can see that in verse 6. And sent a proclamation to all the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem to carry out the agreed-upon decision within a 72-hour period. That's in verse 7. This was a feasible time frame because the farthest distance among would have to travel was between 40 and 50 miles away. Who failed to appear faced loss of property and expulsion from the assembly. The force of this proclamation may appear too severe to us today, but God has always demanded that his people obey and uphold his standards for holy living. God does not require us to be secret agents who conduct witch hunts to ferry out sinners among our local congregation. Instead, he expects that the spiritual leader will teach his commandments, strongly encouraging the visible practice of obedience, biblical addressing any violation with love and restoring the guilty with compassion. The goal of biblical discipline is to store believers rather than simply punish or humiliate them. Ezra had the authority to issue the proclamation with a great, with a threat of discipline because of anthrax edicts. God has invested the authority to the church and her leaders to address sin and resolve any other issues that have the potential of discrediting his reputation, and damaging the internal fellowship and external witnesses of his church. Another question for you. Why does it, what, why does it seem difficult for some to, to accept God-forgiven authority of spiritual leaders? 
I want to read that again. Why does it seem difficult for some to accept the God-given authority of spiritual leaders? We just don't want to do what God's people say. We are normally hard-headed and stiff-necked and don't want to do what we're told. Uh, because Ezra took God's word seriously, he called the people to a higher standard of spiritual accountability. If he were a member of today's church, which sins do you think Ezra would call the people to re renounce? Which sin do you think Ezra would call the people to renounce today? Let's go to the last outline, Ezra 10, 9 through 12. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month of the twelfth day of the month, and all the people sat in the streets of the house of God, trembling because of this matter for the great rain. They were in fear because they all had sinned and knew they were wrong. And as the priest stood up and said unto them, You have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespasses of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your father and do his pleasures and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. The whole assembly responded with a loud voice, You are right. We must do as you say. In response to the proclamation of the men in Judah and Benjamin assembling in the square east of the temple, that's in verse 9, this area was large enough to accommodate several thousand people. The time of their assembly was during the cold, rainy season, and a rainstorm was in progress. Their sincerity is again proven by their willingness to expose themselves to this less than fable weather condition. How ironic that we have some of the most comfortable edifices and just the threats of rain will prevent some of us from gathering to hear God's the word of God. Look at that. They made a confession and changed what they were doing in a storm, rainstorm. Yet still we won't even make an effort to get in our car, drive in the rain to church where it's raining and get out, use our umbrella and go in. What a contrast. Some things never change, but some things do change. There's nothing new under the sun. The people tremble not only because of in, inclement weather conditions, but also because of their distress over being out of fellowship with God and fear of his wrath. Ezra boldly addressed the assembly and cited their sins of unfaithfulness identified their guilt, and challenged them to acknowledge their sins to God and to do something about it by separating themselves from their foreign wives. In verse 11, Ezra's challenge called the people to demonstrate two essential elements of repentance, agreeing with God about sin, followed by righteous action to separate themselves from the sin. True repentance is always followed by an international by an intentional, intentional action involving 
a change of mind, attitude, and direction, and behavior. If not, it is nothing more than a passing feeling of shame or regret, recognizing that sin is actually an offense against God, almost the inner man, and leads to the desire to restore fellowship with God to change. You can see this in Psalms 51, 1 through 12. The remnant genuine repentance was proven by their fervent agreement and readiness to implement the suggested plan of action. Another question to start for you. Why is it necessary for the church to teach its people how to deal with sin biblically? What examples can you give as an appropriate response to sin in the church? First, acknowledge the sin. Next, take action to turn from the sin. Those are things that you can do and so forth sin in the church. Recognize it. Take action and adhere to the rules of God's word. Another example. Give examples of a right and wrong way to respond to God's word. Briefly explain your answer. Right and wrong ways to speak to God's word. One thing, do not teach or preach. Assume that you are perfect and somebody else is imperfect. We all have come short of the grace of God. Be humble. Be loving. But do what is right in the eyes of God and how you deal with sin. Don't browbeat people over the head with what they did or they know what they did. Come in a manner that is restoring type restoration. Restore the person. Don't destroy them. Restore them. As followers of Christ, you can commit yourself to God's word as Ezra did by applying the word to your life first and demonstrating compassion, concern for believers who have fallen into sin. You can lead others to repentance and spiritual restoration. As a follower of Christ, by applying the word of God in your life first, demonstrating compassion and concern for believers who have fallen into sin, you can help lead others to repentance and spiritual restoration, not destruction. To ensure the church's ongoing commitment to the teaching scripture, we must actively teach the importance of reverencing, reversing rather, God's word, reverence and powerful meaning, so forth, reverence to God's word, living according to God's commandment. This is the best way to safeguard the church from being defiled by the word world's immoral values. Young people are especially susceptible to the lure of worldly values and practice that God's forbid. We must teach them to the importance of obeying God. All of God's commandments are righteous. Psalms 119, 172. God's word should move us to consider our actions and confront any known sin. As Ezra encouraged the men of Israel to confirm their lives to God's 
word, take an honest look at your life and consider which of your actions contradict God's commandments. As we serve God by working to restore the covenant life of God's people in Judah, he exercised strong spiritual leadership by showing faithfulness to God's law. Have you fully committed yourselves to serving God by living in ways that proves your faithfulness to God's word? Let's take a quick look at uh, next week's lesson. Sunday, April the 18th, 2021, is Initiating Renewal. The devotion reading will come from Daniel, the ninth chapter, verses 4 through 6, 15 through 19 verse. The background scriptures are Nehemiah 2, 11 through the 20th verse, 13, verses 1 through 22. And the printed text will come from Nehemiah, the second chapter, verses 11 through 20. Now for your daily reading of next week, Monday, April the 12th, Daniel intercedes for Jerusalem, that's in Daniel, the ninth chapter, 4 through the 6th verse and 15th and 19th verse. On Tuesday, April the 13th, Nehemiah orders temple cleansing and restoration, Nehemiah, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 9. Wednesday, April the 14th, Nehemiah restores ministries of Levites singers, Nehemiah, the 13th chapter, 10 through the 14th verse. On Thursday, April the 15th, Nehemiah reforms Sabbaths, observances, and practices. Nehemiah, the 13th chapter, 15 through 22nd verse. Then on Friday, April the 16th, Nehemiah sets standards for Jewish marriage. Nehemiah, the 13th chapter, 23 through the 27th verse. Then on Saturday, April the 17th, Nehemiah is sent to rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah 2 verses 1 through 10. Then on Sunday, April the 18th, Nehemiah inspires the people to rebuild. Nehemiah, the second chapter, verses 11 through 20. Initiating renewal next Sunday, April the 18th. Let us pray. Our Father and Savior, Jesus Christ, the maker and creator of all things, we thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to speak that word and to impart what is placed on our heart from reading your word. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you for leaders that shows um, the power of God through restoration. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Be with us and guide us in the coming days ahead. Teach me the blessing we ask in our son Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives that prompts us to repent and seek your forgiveness when we sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of all of us here at Antioch, the church deacons and everybody, church services will be today, second Sunday. And we hope that you will be a part of our services. On behalf of all of us here at Antioch Baptist Church, we say God bless you. And we'll talk to you next time, God willing.